Welcome to Manager Tools. The Bridge Between Feedback and Coaching, Part 3. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. What do I do when a direct doesn't know how to make a change? How can I help a direct who needs more than feedback, but less than coaching? How can I give simple guidance to directs without it becoming a coaching process? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. All right, Mark. So the first two parts, we did an overview of the feedback model. Nothing new there. Those folks who have been listening a while will note that there weren't a lot of changes there. I guess after listening to it, the one change might be um, folks knowing the feedback model. It's good. Using it is better. So yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a reminder that knowledge is not enough. You need to engage in some effective behavior. So just take uh, that as a reminder of what you need to do. So now we start answering the question of what do we do with the direct where we use the feedback model and folks don't take these next steps. These, these next kind of optional changes here, don't go doing them until you've tried the basic feedback model. But assuming you've done that and you're not getting the results you'd like, we have some new suggestions on how to handle that. Yeah. So now things get a little bit exciting. You know, directs made a mistake. Maybe we've given them some grace on the first instance. Grace is one instance. And on the second instance, we give them feedback. But remember, only on the second instance. Folks, if you were to give feedback on both instances, let's say they miss their weekly quantity numbers, their production numbers, and you gave grace on the first one, you didn't mention it. Of course, the direct knows they didn't meet it if it's a production number. Surely they're exposed to their performance metrics on a regular basis. But if you gave them grace on the first one and then they do it a second time and you then you tell them it's a pattern, it's often true that directs will perceive us as having specifically waited for another mistake to then have more of a case against them. And when you do that, again, it's perceived that you don't want to help them because if you did, you would have talked to them after the first time. Rather, you want to get them in trouble. In other words, your underlying principle is let's instill a little bit of fear when they get off track and that will get them back on track. Right. Like we're building evidence. We're building a case against them. Exactly. And now every time they make a mistake, they know that you know, you know that they know that you know. And now we're literally in this this cold war that um, you assume that they know that after they make their first mistake that, you know, everybody's on heightened sort of yellow alert and let's see what happens. And we've talked, I've talked to thousands of managers. So, you know, when I was doing that, there was always this tension, right? Because they had made a mistake and they perceived me to have been paying more attention. So if you're going to give grace in the first one, which we heartily endorse, if you want to, if you're giving feedback on smaller things, not when they blow million dollar deals, for instance, then it's okay. You can do that. You only give feedback on the second instance. Then they will give you credit for grace. So either you give feedback on the first instance, which is fine, totally appropriate, or you wait until the second instance. But if you give feedback on the second instance, you don't mention the first. You don't mention, you know, when this happens twice. You don't say, you know, when there's a pattern or when, you know, when it happens twice in a week. Because again, they're going to perceive that not as grace, but as waiting to punish. Okay. But again, they've committed a similar error. 
Um, they've missed their production numbers twice. And it's okay to say to yourself, yeah, I think there may be a pattern here. You don't want to say that, but it's completely normal for you to go, gee, do I, do I have a pattern? Are they beginning to slip off the, the table here? But they've committed to new, different, more effective behavior when we gave them the feedback. And unfortunately, it does happen. Maybe they've changed what they're doing, but the outcomes are still unsatisfactory. Okay, at this point, most managers struggle with the recommendation that we just recommend you keep giving feedback. And we do so, we recommend that you keep using the feedback model in the same tone that we did when we gave them the first bit of feedback. Most managers, nah, many managers, not most, just think, no, they've made it twice. You know, guys, we... You know, they need to know that I'm, I'm in charge here. One guy said to me, in fact, it was last week at a client, an international client said, well, no, they need to know that I'm in charge. And it wasn't me. Somebody else said, well, apparently you're not in charge because if you were in charge and could control things, they wouldn't have made this mistake. Oh, my. <laughs> And, you know, managers say, clearly, we, Mark, we can't afford people going around making mistakes all the darn time. At some point, I got to get angry. I got to threaten. Uh, because it seems to me by now that the feedback model and asking for changed behaviors sure as hell isn't working. Yeah, this is after giving feedback once or maybe twice, right? Yeah, twice. Yeah. And, of course, my thought is that just proves the underlying statement that I've told people for years that there are two fundamental human emotions, only two. And this is me. This is psychology 101. The, the two emotions are love and fear. All other emotions are rooted in those two base emotions. And anger is classically uh, based on fear. And if you're getting angry, you're essentially saying you're fearful of something in some way. But the primary motivating emotion at home is love. And the primary motivating emotion at work is fear. And part of the reason that's true was if it was only a love-based environment, they wouldn't have to pay you to go there. Um, and so fear essentially rears its ugly head. And every manager or many, many, many managers know they can tap into that and know that punishment is a form of fear-based motivation, that the fear of punishment um, is what keeps people some people uh, performing at a high level, the fear of failure, the fear of shame, the fear of someone else's anger is all part of it. All that aside, so far, all that's happened is the direct has made some small mistakes and they've tried to remedy them. Remember, again, we give feedback when the stakes are small so we can avoid big mistakes. And the feedback's been unsuccessful here. If you want to put a positive sort of Edisonian spin on it, we can say that in fact, we actually have a lot of results here. They just aren't the results we want, okay? By the way, guys, we don't want you to think we're being Pollyanna here. We're just saying that sometimes a little bit of dark humor keeps you from being really frustrated with others' performance. Okay, we now, at this point, we've given a couple of bits of feedback. We now have reason to believe that the next solution they come up with on their own won't be effective. And so what we do is in addition to saying, hey, can you do that better? And they say, yeah, we can evaluate their idea by asking them how they're going to change it, what they're going to do. And here's how it sounds. Hey, Mike, can I give some feedback? Sure, boss. 
Yeah. When you missed a status reporting deadline, our project is marked incomplete in the divisional report, which isn't good. Can you work on that? Sure. I, I, I just can't seem to get this right, boss. I, sorry, but yeah, I'll keep trying. Okay, great. Um, how are you going to do that? What's your plan? Okay. Usually, guys, what ensues in this situation is the direct either admitting they have no ideas or saying they'll have to think about it, right? And usually if the direct says, well, I'll have to think about it, it's like, okay, well, maybe we got to talk about it. Or they come up with one or two or three different ways than they've done before. But now, because we've asked, because this is part of the discussion, we're involved and we can help them shape the solution they're going to use. Now, maybe we can potentially eliminate some bad ideas. You know, my, my favorite one of these is, okay, you haven't gotten the response you need. You've sent an email. You haven't, you seem surprised that your email hasn't been responded to, despite the fact that you yourself have 2,500 unopened emails in your inbox, but hey, whatever, you know, what are you going to do? And of course, the classic dark, humor answers. Well, I guess I'll send another email. I can remember the very first time, Mike, that I said that somebody said that to me. I was just, <laughs> I just had this moment like, oh. After the first email didn't work, let's just keep doing the same thing, yeah. right? Let's practice professional insanity. But we can eliminate some bad ideas. We can describe how we tried one of the ideas and discover, told them, yeah, that didn't really work very well for me. We We could walk them through the hidden costs associated with an idea that make it unusable or not valid or not worth recommending. And again, these situations, maybe all we're doing is getting rid of their bad ideas. It brings us closer to um, application of effort that ends up in success, right? More, more efficient. Now we're, we're basically sitting table side with them and saying, okay, let's try to solve this problem together. But so far, we're not telling them what to do and how to do it. We're just giving them guidance based on any ideas that might have thrown our way. There's no escalation here. There's no threats. Remember the tone that we're going to be using when we give feedback. There's no root cause analysis here. Oh, dear gosh. Root cause analysis. The number of people who have told me, well, we need to do a root cause analysis and everything. Pretty soon you're back to the root cause analysis of why did the founding fathers of this company form the company? What would they do in this situation 200 years after the founding of the company? Let me go research some documents. Let me go find all those documents. I'll get back to you, boss, maybe in like six months. Yeah. Unfortunately, boss, I've got a problem because the internet doesn't go back to like 1950. I don't know. How did people do research back then? And again, no escalation, no threats, uh, and no time. No offense, folks. Those of you who've heard from HR or other people on the internet, no time spent allowing, allowing for your direct reasons to be heard right? Oh, I really want to share with you and let you, let, let's spend a half an hour going through the detailed description of everything, why you're doing everything and so on. There's no need for that. And look, on the other hand, that's if your direct has some ideas. If your direct is stuck for ideas, before you go to our next two steps, encourage them a little, you know, prod them a little. It might sound like, hey, trust yourself here. Which one of those ideas might work? Or, what have you thought about doing, but you haven't tried it yet? Or, hey, have you asked anybody in the team for help? Anybody else you can turn to? Other than those that think about teams all the time, the high S's of the world, amaze the number of people who don't, don't even say, hey, anybody got an idea about this? 
And somebody else goes, oh, yeah, what you do is this. It's not in the system, but if you do this, then then that problem basically goes away. And I can't tell you how many times in my life I was like, I, I had no concept of what the solution was. And when it was told to me, it was as if it came from a different universe. And of course, I should have thought of it. I mean, heck, I used to pronounce, up until I was, what, 45 or 50 years old, I thought Heracovert, which is French for green beans, was pronounced Heracot Verts and was a spiny kind of lettuce. And I say that, and I'm sure there are hundreds of thousands of people laughing at me right now, but man, you don't know what you don't know. And by the way, I'm, I'm not one of those guys laughing at you, just, just saying. <laughs> yeah, but you did know what Heracovert were anyway. <laughs> yeah. So essentially what we're doing here is a very brief stint or push of collaboration. And it's actual collaboration. It's not just bowing to the God of collaboration. Hey, let's collaborate. I love it when people say, let's collaborate. And somebody else says, who's going to get credit? And what you're doing is you're between feedback and systemic feedback and also the need to coach a direct. And systemic feedback and coaching are a little bit bigger tools than this. All we're doing is building out, building around, showing you some additional steps you can take around the feedback model. We're not leaving the solution completely up to them, and we're certainly not forcing our solution on them. What if we perceive that the direct is generally motivated to solve the problem? They want to solve the problem. Right. Um, you ask them for ideas, but they don't have any, or they're struggling. What do you do then? Well, first of all, I would remind you that for us managers, we're thinking, ah, oh, geez, I can't believe they don't have any ideas. And there's a little bit of frustration that comes in in there. Some of you may be a better person than me and think, no, I don't, I don't actually think that, Mark. But remember the other side of the coin. Remember, horseman's middleman task. If you're wondering how your directs are feeling, wonder what they're doing, ask yourself, how would you feel in front of your boss if you were put in this situation? If your boss came to you and said, well, what do you think we should do? And you, he, he or she's asking you about something that really is a step or two beyond your capability or beyond your experience, let's say. And you'd say, well, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I don't like that feeling. Maybe that's because I liked school and I wanted to know the answers. I've since learned I don't know anything, but I don't like it when my boss says, well, well, hey, look, I've been working on this thing. Perhaps you've heard me going to meetings about it. Maybe get some info from you. What do you think? And you're like, dude, I got nothing. And you're not going to be blasé about it. You're going to be like, oh, I don't I don't like this feeling of being turned to for guidance or advice from a superior. Yeah, you're embarrassed. Your boss obviously thinks you should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless he's really dark and he's just wanting to remind me that I can do stuff you can't do. But regardless, like you say, Mike, if we perceive that the direct is, is motivated, but they don't have any ideas, ask if they want some ideas. Now, not suggesting yet to tell them here's what to do, but just ask if they want to. So if they're struggling, you can say, you want to know what I think? Or you want to hear what I think is in the way? Or you want to hear an idea I've had that I've worked on before? Or do you want a couple of suggestions? You want some hints? You want some general direction in this situation? And if you don't get in response from the direct a sense that they're motivated to solve the problem, there are several things you can do. And look at, I've done this before, it works well. Um, a really effective thing you can do, 
uh, that surprised me when I did it is actually give them negative feedback about their lack of ideas. This is only for those of you managers who really truly can deliver negative feedback in a pleasant way. So it might sound like this. Hey, Mike, can I give you some feedback here? Yep. When you don't have ideas about how to improve here, when I'm working pretty hard to give you plenty of time to come up with your own solution, it feels like you're not willing to collaborate, not willing to pitch in and work with me here. Can you, can you step up a little bit? Sure. Now, guys, I know that sounds like, oh boy, he's already struggling and now you're giving him more negative feedback. But this, for those of us managers who have worked hard on our relationships and really can deliver in a pleasant way uh, without making it threatening, directs actually love it. I've got nothing but great responses with that. But leaving that aside, you can ask, what's wrong? You could say, hey, listen, I'm trying to take time here to professionally address some weak spots, totally believing we're going to get past this. And I feel like you're not in it to win it. You're not pushing here with me. What's going on? You want to go further? You can also even be more direct than that. And a little more on the role power continuum rather than the relationship. It might sound, look, I'm trying to work hard with you on this and you're not reciprocating. So, cool. Now's not the time. Discussion over. I'll leave it to you to figure it out. Um, I'm happy to give you some positive feedback when you do. Or, hey, maybe you're not feeling creative right now. That's happened. It happened to me. Um, so, go be creative and take another shot at this. And if you want to bounce some ideas on me, off me, I'm open to it. And I got to go. I use that all the time. Hey, look, what are your ideas? Nah, I don't really have any. Well, okay. Think about it some more. Get back to me when you do. Or, you know what? You've been struggling enough. It's okay. You don't hear me being frustrated yet. Uh, it's okay. So when you have those ideas, run them by me before you try stuff. Because now I want to eliminate three more possible tries with solutions that should never have been solutions because in my experience, they never would have worked. Cool. So I worry a little bit that folks are going to jump from the beginning of these new ideas to like the end very quickly without going through yeah. going through these steps, right, of asking them how they're going to change, asking them if they want some ideas, and then that failing, going to the next step, which is consider telling them what you would recommend. That's the last resort. Yeah, I actually think that there's also a subset of managers out there, and I've talked to some of them, that just love the idea of systemic feedback. And they think that if a person's struggling, you just keep letting them and letting them and letting them because you get all this credit for letting directs and saying, no, I understand, you're trying, that's good, it's okay. Uh, but then when you finally give them systemic feedback, boy, that's such a powerful tool that you know it'll shake them up and they'll get back on track. And I will say that I've never had systemic feedback fail, but it just happens so rarely that I don't think of it as, it's certainly not a tool you're going to be using once a month, once a quarter, maybe even once a year. I've only used it six times in over 25 years. It's just a nice warm blanket to know that it's there. But regardless, you're right. That can happen, right? Let's just, hey, don't do it that way. Do this. Next time, do this. I promise you it will work. And again, we would say that's a last resort. We can just tell them what we would do or what we did when we faced a similar situation, or what we would recommend they try that they haven't tried, and not mention that we did it before or we tried it before, okay? Or we can recommend that they retry something they tried before and maybe change something slightly about it so that they'll get the good result that they kind of thought they would 
Um, you know, it was a good idea. It was just poorly implemented. And there's nothing wrong with this, guys. The mistake, as Mike alludes to, is is waiting one time to tell them, hey, can you give some feedback? You did that wrong. Do it this way next time. That is not what the feedback model is about. If you're not careful and you jump to this last step, consider telling them what you would recommend or what you would do. You are teaching your directs that you will solve their problems for them. And remember, your directs problems are at their level and not at yours. If you're solving problems a level below you, we're wasting salary compensation money on you. You want your directs solving problems at your level to teach you to show the organization they can grow. And you generally want to leave problems where they're loved, which is at the level that they're supposed to be solved, which is at your directs level in this case. So this is a last resort. Don't pull the trigger too soon. But, you know, after they've done three or four or five, before we're getting to six or seven and thinking about systemic feedback, telling people what you would recommend or what you would do is is reasonable. Just don't do it too fast. And I would also suggest that you're probably a long way of a long way from being out of ideas, that there are other ideas out there. Maybe you need to call somebody else in. I don't know, as busy as everybody is with email, you'd think email get used for, hey, I got a direct who's struggling with this. Anybody got any ideas? To me, um, that's one of those unused things about email, the ability to talk to a lot of people. And yet what you have to do in that email is admit, hey, I don't know how to do part of my job. But fortunately, nobody else knows how to do part of their job either, and they're not going to be embarrassed. They'll actually be impressed that you're willing to admit you're struggling with something. Yeah. So look, long cast. Thanks again to Matt Bentliff for it, for the idea that, put it all in place. When a direct makes a mistake, guys, give them some quick negative feedback. Ask if they can do better. It's not rocket science. Rinse and repeat a couple of times. Before you get to systemic feedback, ask them if they can, and then also dig into their ideas by asking them how they intend to do so. If they still are struggling, ask if they want input. If they're still struggling, tell them how to master the task. Slower to guidance is better in the long run. Quicker to solutions, telling them what to do right away, makes for smaller directs, and it means more hands-on management later, and it's penny-wise and pound-foolish. And that's it. Awesome, dude. I, I, I love this. I think folks will find this very useful. I've already vocalized it a couple times, so I won't, I won't harp on don't go too fast. Slow is better with people. Yeah. Ozan's rule, when it comes to people, fast is slow. Thank you much. Anytime, partner. All right, man. See you later. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long. 